Welcome back to The Evolution. My name is Jeff Bayless. This episode, I've got Ugo Wosu. Uh, he is the host of the Pass Your Limit podcast and also an officer in the United States Navy. Uh, we met through a, a leadership and development group and through mutual friends. I ended up recording an episode on his podcast. And through that conversation, his story was so remarkable. I felt compelled to have him on this platform to share his story with you. We talk about leadership and development. We talk about diversity. We talk about a myriad of topics. I don't know that there was anything we didn't touch, uh, relationships. But what we really talked about, most importantly to me, was mental health awareness and resilience. So I hope you enjoy his story. If you do, do me a favor, give it a like, give it a share. Uh, Again, I don't ask for anything except maybe share it with somebody that can benefit from hearing his story. All right, here it is. All right, Ugo. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Uh, as I've said in a couple other episodes, we're definitely practicing our social distancing uh, via Zoom just because you're so far away. Uh, right. And you're yeah. six hours ahead of me. So I, I it, it doesn't fall on me lightly that, uh, you know, you, you took the time to six hours ahead of me in the evening uh, to come on my podcast, man, have a conversation with me. So I appreciate hey, the time. I'll say this, Jay, what you're doing is phenomenal. Um, you're inspiring. And uh, I have no qualms with coming on at 2106 20, now. It's, uh, it's a privilege to come on here and talk to you. So whatever you want to talk about, let, let's kill, you know. I like it. All right, brother. So uh, I know your story. Uh, we've talked a little bit on, on your show, um, which kudos. I got, I got to just kind of preface that. Uh, kudos to you for having uh, the wherewithal to launch your own podcast. There's not a lot of people on active duty doing that. So uh, – and that, you know, that over overcoming that first hurdle of finding your voice, then overcoming the second hurdle of being afraid to do it in, in a plat, in a, in an environment, in a military environment. Uh, there's a lot of value there. So there's not many of us doing that. So mad respect for that as well. Um, Thank you. Thank you. But I, I, I do I know, will, go ahead. I will say this though, real quick. It's like, it's, it's funny you mentioned that cause, and you can relate cause you're doing the same thing, but, um, going into the podcast, I had some uh, reservations about mm-hmm. going and opening up and sharing my story, but it got to a point where I, I couldn't be afraid. I had to go ahead and focus on who can I help, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's the bottom line. And that's my drive is put out my story, bring people on that have more experience than I do in certain areas and share their story. And whoever's listening to this right now could just take some snippet of information and just run with it right so I, yeah. I, ultimately, I feel like it's it's bigger than me and you it's about who's listening you know exactly yeah and you know I think there's a lot of conversations that are had mm-hmm. that if somebody could just be a fly on the wall and listen to that conversation they might be able to grab something out of there that would change their life or at least the way they think about their life right, right. so we're giving them that opportunity so um, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, your background where you come from uh, okay and kind of what childhood looked like for you Sure. Um, so name is Ugo. Actually, my full first name is Ugo Chukwu. Originally from uh, Lagos, Nigeria, 1982. So coming up on my 38th birthday here soon. Uh, life growing up in a third world country like Nigeria, it was a challenge, you know, not constant electricity. The water isn't constant, but it, it, it hardened my mind when looking back on it. Family structure was always there, four older brothers, uh, parents there. But it's just the, the theme of 
you don't have constant electricity and try to let me let me put you in that mind state sometimes where you're at home and you don't know if armed robbers are coming to rob you sometimes you know and you hear constant uh, constant gunfire all the time so those kind of things were the issues that we faced as young men growing up me and my friends growing up in Lagos Nigeria and America was always viewed as that pinnacle man that that place you have to get to Mm-hmm. You know, so I lived in Nigeria for the first 18 years of my life. And when you lived there was uh, two things on that. One, so did, what, what's the language there? So obviously English is your second language or is this? Right, so I'm, I'm Igbo. My first, uh, well, technically my first language is Igbo. However, Nigeria, Nigeria is colonized by England. So it's, okay. uh, we speak Queen's English. So the English we're speaking right now is considered improper English. We're not speaking properly. Right. But speaking Queen's English, that's proper way of speaking English. So I had to, it's funny you say that because I got here and I had to change the way I speak. Yeah. So Amer- American English is your third language. Right. You know, it's interesting you bring up that. Uh, I can relate to that, too. My maybe not to the level that you did, but my house was broken into a lot when I was a kid. I grew up in a kind of a rough neighborhood. And so, like, mm-hmm. you know, as you look at that on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that basic sense of security. Right. You, you didn't have that growing up, right? I mean, you didn't have right. that sense of, I just and, trust that and when I, I close this door, I'm safe. Yeah, I will say this though, like my, my parents did a good job of protecting me and I felt this sense of security that now I'm older, I'm looking back like, wow, that could have gone, uh, yeah. gone off, off, off rail real quick. But being in that situation, I thought I was good to go, but it's not the situation that is ideal. It should be a mm-hmm. lot better, but Nigeria is filled with corruption. You know, things that people take for granted in America, you know, <laughs> I can't tell you enough, man. Like the little things matter. So you see people, because America has a race issue right now, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, you think someone just doesn't like you because that person is white or someone doesn't like you, you're in a neighborhood and it's mostly black people, they don't like you. Well, what about tribalism in Nigeria where I'm Igbo and I run into a house up person? The house up person is, is more of a Muslim, is, is, is Muslim and I'm Christian and we have that rancor at that point, you know? So we methodically try to um, circumvent each other's progress in life, you know? And, and it's interesting, we look, look alike to an American, you see both of us, oh, we're both black guys. No, we still have that fight within the culture. And instead of racism there, it's tribalism. And mm. people get slaughtered. Like in 1960, my dad fought, fought in the Biafran War, almost died. There's a story of him. He always tells me this. He sat on a tree. He was tired. You know, he was a soldier. He got up and walked away. The person that sat at that same spot got shot by a sniper and he got killed. And that was a war between two different tribes. Wow. Right? So, so it's those kind of things that have, have helped me come to America and like refocus and focus on the goal of. I'll tell you this. I remember when I went to the embassy. So for those that don't understand that are listening, if you if you're born and raised in Nigeria and you're trying to come to America and you're not a citizen of America, you have to apply for what's called like an H1N1 visa. That's why I came, like H1 visa. Uh, it's to go to school. And I went there, my interview. Wow. I, I remember looking at the man. I'm like, man, he could just say no to me and America is gone. This is when I was 18 and He's like, listen here, go out there, work hard, be the best you can be, and don't give up. So that little thing he said to me always stayed with me. 
and he didn't look like me. He looked more like you, right? Yeah. So, it, so, so my, I'm not saying racism doesn't exist. I'm just saying it depends on your perspective. And my experience is removed from the experience of what I'll say other people. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't like my goal for saying that is just before people leap to a conclusion, do your research yourself and don't take everybody face value we have a lot more to who we are than what we see on the outside yeah i love that man that's that's coming from a a a perspective and a unique perspective that only you can have right uh yes sir and and i you know i i received that and i also think that we live in an outrage culture in general you know what i mean um so whatever that camp is or that tribe uh you know in nigeria it may have been the other tribe and you know in the united states it may be a race thing but it's also republican democrat it's also you know there's, <laughs> there's oh yeah, yeah you're right like mm-hmm, you had, yeah. uh, scott taylor on i love mm-hmm. that guy you know i'm independent but i've always loved him and his uh mindset you know but it's just where we are now as a country in america it's just the ideologies just separate us so much and no one is willing to acquiesce right and if Mm. we can't acquiesce and think about the big picture as a country we're running for we're headed for a cliff yeah and and you you have to love this country or you wouldn't serve it right i mean yeah let me tell you something right so people was like why do you love this country so much listen man where i was (laughs) i'll tell you it's i I didn't have the same freedoms and you come here all you have to do just work hard apply yourself yeah people will try to standing your way but that's life life sucks you know you have two chances like two two choices either you complain and say hey that person tried to prevent my progress Mm -hmm. or you can find the gaps and get get to the gap and just run through run through the obstacles you know i like that find the gap yeah i like that just the mindset you know what i'm saying brother but you already know this I'm, i'm preaching to the choir and it's just like the mindset is the only thing that separates the successful people from the unsuccessful people what kind of what kind of freedoms uh do you enjoy more as an American that, you know, so like everybody has this diatribe, this, this banner cry of like, okay, this is the freedom that I want. Right. So I may be pro choice or I may be pro two a, I may be pro first amendment. So as a, as a, uh, a Nigerian that came to America uh, and then I also want to have the conversation about African American. Right. And, okay. and, and have you clear that up for us, but um, sure what is the freedom that you enjoy the most uh, in being an American that you didn't have as a Nigerian? That's an awesome question. Cause there are a ton of things I can think about, but the one that comes to my mind is basically the right to bear arms. Because mm-hmm. in Nigeria, you can't, you're not allowed to have weapons. Right. And that sense of security is lost, you know? So, and I'm independent, so I'm not conservative. I'm not liberal. I am too. It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. The thing about that is I just stay away from both sides because I'm all about America. I'm American first, man. That's, that's me. Like you mm-hmm. say anything bad about America, then I'm just running through you. That's my mentality. So, and back to your question, yes, yeah, those freedoms and being able to work hard and have yeah. a chance at being better than what you are today. And I, I say that because like the upward mobility, the opportunity for upward, upward mobility, upward mobility. Yeah, you don't know somebody back home. When I say home, I mean Nigeria. Right. Home. Your chances of going up that upward mobility is is very very small and limited. When you come to the states here, 
yeah, I, since I was born outside this country, I can never be the American president. I get it. However, I can work hard. And if I like politics, I could one day be a mayor. I could yep. be a representative. Those kind of things are set in place for you to work hard and show your worth to the country and the country will reward you. That's what I've seen. Yeah. And that's my experience. But again, I want to stay away from telling people what, how they should feel. I'm just sharing my own experience and my, my Americanism. So let's talk about, uh, cause I listened to a few of your episodes, which again, very good job. Uh, very, very proud of your production there with your projects doing a lot of good. Um, one of the conversations you had that cleared something up for me that I got a lot out of was the conversation in regards to African-American and you know, what that, what that, that difference is, right? So how, how do you describe yourself? Uh, what's the difference in, you know, being from Nigeria to America? Are you American? Are you African-American, Nigerian-American? Have that conversation with the listener so we can all okay. kind of understand. All right. Let me, so let me try and best articulate this. Um, I never want to lose my identity of being Nigerian because that's my culture. That's, that's what gave me the foundation. However, if I had to rank countries, America always comes first because America gave me the chance and pulled me out of that environment to be better and be able to be productive on my own. Mm -hmm. Without anyone giving, giving me some kind of helping hand. So to the effect of race, it's important to understand that even within the complexities of being black per se or african-american for me coming from nigeria i am very very different from another black person coming from ghana right hmm. so we both come we both migrate to the u.s we're both african-american because we come from africa and mm. african-americans can be white in my opinion and mm. it's a fact because i know a couple african-americans that are from south africa and from nigeria that are white cool so, yeah I think we should better classify it. To be it's not descriptive black. enough. No. Got no. you. Okay. So yeah. Think about the description that we're talking about here. So, yeah. And you say African-American. Well, within that context, do I understand the African-American community in the way you say it or Amer natural born Americans say it? Mm. No, I don't. Cause I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't born and raised here. Right. Mm. So when I, my identity is that of I'm a Nigerian American, I'm an African-American. But if you're black and you're born and raised in this country, you're black American. This is your country. Own mm -hmm. it. This is your own country. I understand you're trying to trace your roots. And slavery is something that we should not take lightly. It happened. And we should always talk about it. However, For sure. at some point, you got to own this country, man. Take it, you know, and run with it and work together as a team. I've never heard that uh, described that way to me personally. And so I, I appreciate that. Uh, like, I learned a something. Lot of people don't, a lot of people don't agree yeah. with me. You know, a lot of is that right? Yeah, because I've had those conversations with other black men and black women, and so, even within the community, there is a huge divide of okay, I'm I'm my roots are in Africa, the motherland. So mm. I'm like, no, I am American. You know, so it's like, okay, why don't we just clear this all out on the census and say black American? You know, if I come from Nigeria, I'm African American. Specifically, I call myself Nigerian American because African American is too um, convoluted, right? Because I'm confusing again myself with someone that's from the north who would be Egyptian. Mm, and some yeah. That, mm -hmm. Some people think that someone's from Egypt, Egypt, they're not African. Yes, they're African. That's right. <laughs> even though, yeah. Even though they're in the Middle East, you know, so because if you think about Africa, it's broken down. I don't want to go into 
too much of the details, but it's broken down into different communities. Mm-hmm. So you have like you have the African Union breaks down into economic community of West African states. You mm-hmm. have the, the Arab states. Some of some people may have heard it as um, the Arab League. Mm-hmm. You have the southern states in Africa, and these all have their own communities and their own identities and their own GDPs that they work together within those contexts. Well, I think right. as a as as a white American, I think it's good to be sensitive and just even hear that there is a conversation out there about this, right? So maybe maybe I'm not going to sit here on the Evolution Podcast with Ugo and solve this problem, but just right. to have this conversation and know that there is a sensitivity there that we should recognize and be you know alert to. Uh, I think that's a conversation worth having, you know. Yeah, uh, and, and, and you talked about something right with the podcast I have, and this is where it gets tricky. For instance, if I'm in a country, and depending on how I'm dressed, someone that's looking at me as American thinks I was born in America, right? Mm-hmm. And they address me thinking that I was born and raised there. And once I start talking, they're like, oh, he's not really American. I, I can hear an accent. Where are you from? You know? <laughs> <laughs> the, same happens, the same thing happens with another black person that's American, right? They're like talking to me, hey, hey, what's going on, man? And I talk, I'm like, hey, where are you from, guy? You know, it's like, yeah, I'm not from here. So it's yeah. like, I find myself within a, uh, between a rock and a hard place because in America, you know, I'm the African guy. You know, I go back to Nigeria. I'm the American kid. Oh, you left. You're Americanized now. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Complexity <laughs> of identity. Like, okay, nobody accepts me there. Oh, it's all good. All right, fine. Well, I would challenge you to consider that you're, you are you wherever you are, right? Like, geography Ooh, yeah. cannot define you as well. Who, yeah. yeah so, that's awesome. What brought you to the United States then other than the opportunity and what got you into the military? So you had kind of a uh, unique path. Uh, I've heard you discuss it before, but uh, you weren't always in the Navy, right? You weren't always an officer. You're, a, right. you're an IHO, right? You can explain that, but just kind of give us a rundown of your, uh, like okay. what got you into service. Um, so in Nigeria, we have something called, it's a youth service. It's man- mandatory. So coming out of college, you're required to serve the country for a year. So coming uh, here, what a what a noble concept! Hey, man, do, 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 let's not go into that because yeah, yeah. I'm like, come on, man! Like, Some my favorite quote of all time from uh, JFK: "Ask not what uh, your country could do for you; ask what you could do for your country." Right? Yeah. So I hear a lot of people saying, like, "Well, this wasn't done for me. This wasn't done me, me, me. I, I, I. I got it. You got to think about yourself." But at some at some point, like, hey, what have you done for this country? You're asking so much. For? Don't tell me what your dad did. What right. your grandfather did, uh, their sacrifices, that's not your sacrifice. Yeah. You, you, it's, but but I, I, I digress. But back to your point, though, because you see, I get passionate about this stuff. Good. It's Good. Like, so my thing is, I came, and after I got my visa, then I started college, started uh, chemistry at Bowling Green State University. Actually, I'll go back. I started at Savannah State, Georgia. Then from then, I decided to transfer to Bowling Green, Ohio. So I, I got to Bowling Green, Ohio in uh, 2002. I actually got here a week before 9-11. Oh, wow. So um, after 9-11 happened, I was like, man, I just got a chance to come to this country. Man, this, is, this sucks. I need to do something about it, help. So I went to the recruiter, did some research, heard about Army Rangers. So Rangers lead the way. I want to be a Ranger. Went there, did the uh, paperwork, the test, and everything. Oh Lord! The recruiter found out I was an American citizen. It's like, dude, you're wasting my time here, man. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. What is this? So that opportunity went away. 
very quickly. I was like, well, I need to still focus on the military one day to serve because of 9-11 cannot go, um, cannot be swept under the rug. It has to be revenge. So I'm like, I have to do my part. Transferred to Bowling Green University. Always had that in my mind of I want to serve. But first of all, I decided, okay, you know what? Since I can't join now, let me get my degree. Then have something that can leverage and go to the military and say, hey, I have this. How can I serve the country, right? Mm -hmm. So got my degree. Still wasn't a citizen, so that was an issue, right? Mm -hmm. So eventually I became a citizen because my uncle, he's a citizen here. So and through all that, he was able to file for me. He's a cardiologist. And funny enough, he's going back to Nigeria now. But, also, um, uh, just to put a pin on something, I heard you speak on another podcast, which is remarkable that uh, like all of the, uh, or several of the people in your family are like doctors and uh, very, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. very <laughs> successful. Uh, I am the least successful person in my family. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, I'm the renegade. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I am the only American citizen in my family. Uh, my parents are still together. They've been together over 40 years. Um, the youngest of five men. The oldest is an economist. The second is a lawyer. He lives in South Africa. The third, um, he is a computer scientist. He lives in Toronto. The fourth, he's uh, he has a master's degree in uh, mechanical engineering and a PhD in metallurgy. Um, he, he's in Edinburgh. Uh, England, Middlesbrough, England. Okay. So used to be in Edinburgh, Scotland. So, so all, all those, they're doing all those things. Then I'm the one that was supposed to be the doctor. My god, godfather, like I mentioned, he's a cardiologist. So I was supposed to go down that path, but I was like, nah, it's not aggressive enough for me. Like I want something where I could help. And even though as a healthcare provider, yes, you help, but your hands are not really getting that dirty, man. Like, yeah. I want to go get that 10 mile ruck in and my back hurts and I feel call it. to adventure. Yeah. Yes, sir. Hey, mm -hmm. I like that. I need to hold on to that call to adventure. Mm -hmm. So I finished my bachelor's degree at Bowling Green State University, then went on to get my master's degree in industrial hygiene. And that's more of an occupational health, uh, being a scientist, sampling, air sampling, uh, asbestos, things of that nature. So I'm like, okay, after that, I decided to enlist in the Air Force. So in the Air Force, uh, I became a one and oh, which is an Intel specialist. And from there, after uh, three years, almost four years, my CEO was like, you have a master's degree? I was like, yeah. It's like, why don't you put in for a package? You'd be a good leader. I was like, roger that, sir. And that's again, guess what? I want you to notice a theme in my story, right? So the person that gave me a visa didn't look like me. This is a white dude. Person that said, hey, you should commission, man. You look like me, the white dude. Um, so then I commissioned to the Army as a 72 Delta. That's an environmental uh, science and engineering officer. Served as a second lieutenant for two years. Then found out, oh, there's an industrial hygiene billet in the Navy. Oh, that would be awesome. So did a lateral move to the Navy. And the Navy brought me in as a JG. And I've been in the Navy now, what, uh, seven years? So all my years together, now they're all coming together, maybe like 13. <laughs> so, <laughs> dude, I don't even know, but I'm just loving it. It's been an awesome ride. And it's a, it's a privilege to be an officer. I know that. But my, my main focus is serving others. And, and that's where, like, 
I love it, man. Where I can actually help people. That's why we're kindred souls, man. Dude, That's exactly I love why, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, I'm not, I, I, I hate the whole, I don't know, you, you probably know this, some officers where they see someone enlisted and they're like two miles away and then salute them. Hey, man. Yeah. Know? Well, <laughs> dude, relax, bro. If you have to tell somebody how good you are, you're not that good, bro. Like, yeah. earn, earn that respect each and every day and just focus on making other people better. You That's know, like uh, the Navy SEALs. They talk about their trident and all their buildings. They say, earn it every day. Earn it every day. Yeah, yeah. that's a good, good way. I, I think the Chiefs mess should adopt that as well. Earn your anchors every day. But, well, uh, let's stay away from the Chiefs mess because I have my yeah. <laughs> good oh, Chiefs. We, we can they're go awesome there too. Chiefs. They're awesome yeah. Chiefs. I've had some awesome Chiefs. Like my Chief right now, phenomenal dude. I won't say his name, sir, but Dev Groove. Um, two Purple Hearts. He's probably going to be mad at me. I'm saying all this, but He's a pipe hitter, man, and mm-hmm. uh, dragon, and uh, shot a couple of times. And, man, I can't say enough about this dude, but he's an awesome chief. Then you have the chiefs that are all about themselves, not helping the first classes, the second classes. Like I feel like as a chief, right, you should be building the first class to take your spot. Like, yeah. if, if you're not doing that, you have a problem right there, right? And then you see, it should just go down. It should have a trickle-down effect, but that's just going away from the Chiefs mess where some Chiefs now, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stay away from that. <laughs> no, you're fine, actually. I, I'm very open to all these conversations. I had a uh, fleet mass chief, Paul Kingsbury on the, uh, on the podcast a few episodes ago. Maybe, oh, maybe you did? Like, yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, if anybody wants to hear us talk very openly and candidly about the Chiefs mess, that's the one. I mean, we're not. Okay. I don't know how, how, how far are you going on your podcast? I don't want to. Yep. No, nope, uh, that's, that's fine. There's definitely, I feel like, uh, you know, if we're going to have the conversation on leadership, there's a uh, leadership development in all pay grades. And, and I've been yes, from the unique perspective of chief to wardroom back to chief. Uh, there's definitely some work to be done in all facets and all areas. Uh, so, so, so this is my opinion on that. So the Navy, the Navy could do a lot better. I love the Navy with all my heart, but um, one part I didn't tell my stories. I've served with Marines too, for almost three years and I've had a um, unique opportunity to actually lead Marines. So at my unit, I was the S3 Alpha. For those listening that know anything about Marine Corps, I was a assistant operations officer. So I had gunnery sergeants under me. I worked with a master sergeant. My sergeant in the Marine Corps is an E8. So so you were in operations. Um, how, did, how did that work as an IHO? Right. Okay. I guess I should explain. So yeah. I got there and I'm just doing my thing as an industrial hygiene officer, being the science officer at the unit. And um, there's a unit where it's mostly infantry Marines, so 0311s. So there was a gap where the infantry officer had to leave. And we had a couple companies that needed to be uh, led. The CEO made made a decision to move me to the assistant operations officer because of my AQDs. For those who don't know what AQD is for officers, that's the additional qualification designator. Mm -hmm. Just has what what, what you're kind of like NECs. Yep. Right. Yeah, so, I actually, I actually have a couple AQDs as bro, a chief. Yeah, <laughs> I got. Yeah, bro, but you're the, a legend, man. You're the a listener legend. doesn't probably know what that is. Yeah, right, 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 right. Let's, let's stay off that one because they probably don't understand. But um, yeah. But then again, sales are smart. I always say yep. that. Mm-hmm. my last. They do understand. Um, so uh, because of my AQDs, they decided to let me fill that role as a leader. So I was writing Marine fit reps. Um. So when are you going to do some work for the Coast Guard, man? Just so you can round that out, you know, just so your resume is full up and round. Yeah, I, mean, I can't like, stand you, man. Crazy. Like, 
I'm, I'm all in all, I'm all in with the Navy because even when I was with the Marines, I always challenge them to like pull ups and stuff like that. I'll say, hey, I'm a sailor first. Though. So every time they say, ooh, rah, I'll be like, hoo You know, they say, infantry guys say, er, you know, I'm like, hey, hoo I never lost sight <laughs> of who I am, you know. Yeah, I'm, like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get after it. Let's go. Um, I'm a sailor first. And that's, that's the thing. They say simplify, I say simple fortis. Yeah. That's just how I, that's how I am. So I'm, I'm like you. I'm all in with the Navy side. So regardless of my experience, I feel like I'm a well-oiled machine. I can consolidate all my experience, bring it back to the sailors, and make them better. Again, it's not about me because, hey, I'm not a young man anymore. <laughs> it's like I, at some point, I feel like I have like 15 to 20 years more in me. I'll try, but we'll see. But other than that, though, my focus has to be others. You know, yeah. making others better, kind of like you. So that's just my mentality now. So we talked quite a bit about your career, uh, which is a pretty remarkable journey in and of itself. Uh, tell us a little bit about personal life and relationships. Uh, you know, mm. how is this developing as this all plays out? Your career is trending in the right direction. And how's, how's Ugo doing at home, family? Why, why are you trying to make me emotional, man? That's <laughs> what you're doing. That's how I do it, man. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so my career is going well, going from a second lieutenant to a JG in the Navy, so from Army to um, Navy, married, two kids, uh, married at that point for eight years, and um, my ex, uh, bless her heart, she just didn't want to do the military thing, you know, um, and so I actually haven't told this story before, <laughs> this is interesting, so like, uh, I went to ODS, Officer Development School for the Navy. Uh, got all excited to see my kids again. It was out there, I forget, for four or five weeks, whatever it is. remember calling my daughter because it's actually about this time. Interesting. Hmm. My daughter's birthday is May 9th, my oldest. Hmm. And uh, so I call FaceTime and my ex hardly, hardly wants to talk to me or whatever. I'm talking to my daughters. Then I come back. Bro, I kid you not. I, I came back and the same day, she served me papers, man, and told me, I'm, I'm leaving you. Uh, this is not for me. And I was begging, bro, like, ego, shed my ego. I'm like, hey, I can work it out. And I'm not saying it was her fault at all, because I, I was so focused on my career, and I fell short. And I was trying to run my household like the military and my structured mind. And I would always say, this marriage is not a democracy. I would say this, like, I would say, I'm like, hey, I respect you, but it's not a democracy. This is how we have to run it and we have to execute. Was that because you were in the military or is that the model your parents showed you? So very awesome question right there. So my culture, my mom is incredibly strong, very, very strong, but both of them are like that. So, so, so Evo is my culture. We don't really show that much emotion. And um, there's actually a study about the most successful immigrants to the U.S., and it says uh, Nigerians and Chinese. And, and, you, and you dig deep, deeper into those cultures, and you find out that the Nigerian culture, and specifically the Igbo culture, is very rigid, and there are high expectations. So it's not like, oh, go be a cheerleader if you want. No, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer, and these are the steps you are going to follow. This mm-hmm. is a shall, shall, not a should. Right. So, so that to your point, that's a great question. So I try to use my culture where it's like, hey, um, I can't have you making little mistakes because they add up. So 
I've always been very serious minded, but um, I didn't take a step back to think about, well, I'm not married to a Nigerian. I'm not married to, and even within the, again, the Nigerian context, the tri- tribes, I'm not married to an Igbo woman. Right. Or an American. And it's a different perspective. So we had issues with how we were raising our kids. Um, and that, that created issues. I, I cheated. You know, I, I wasn't always, I felt like I was a stellar guy, you know, doing my thing. I'm, my career is going well, you know, and I did that too. And she gave me multiple opportunities to be better, but I just fell short because uh, my maturity level wasn't where it needed to be, you know. Mm-hmm. So I say, again, it wasn't her fault. Could I have changed in the long run? Who knows? Uh, maybe I was just saying what I had to say to save my marriage. You never know. Uh, but I did say it, and I tried to save the marriage, and that didn't work. So I ended up moving to Virginia by myself after getting orders. With, you know how the page, too. Those, I don't know, most of your li- listeners are probably military, so you have everybody on your page, too. And I didn't bring anybody. It was just me check in it's just me by myself in a house by myself empty you know then 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 the hard part for me is this my family man like this goes back to my culture again it's like i feel if 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 we're if we're family we're on the same side loyalty is big to me right and if my enemy is always my 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 family's enemy that's how i see it if i if i if i'm on the same page with you and you have issues with someone, we both have rancor with that person. But they didn't see it like that. So they're still, but they were seeing it from, I guess, a more strategic point of view where, hey, they have grandkids and they have to have that relationship. I was looking at it from, hey, I'm being attacked by my ex and her family and I'm by myself here. Where do I get that emotional support? So I was kind of crying out for help, but I never got that, you know, in my opinion. But again, I could be wrong, but I'm just, this is all my uh, opinion. Well, it's, it's your truth. Yeah, it's my, exactly. That's my yeah. truth. It's my truth. So I started feeling depressed and a whole bunch of anxiety thinking like, man, I can't get past this. I, I didn't see that light at the end of the tunnel. And I was like, what am I working hard for now? If I've lost my kids, I'm in the system. I, I always raved about, I hated being any type of system. And the thing that hurt me the most is she actually took me to court, you know? And I feel like, hey, do you think I'm just going to be a deadbeat dad and not take care of my kids? Do you understand my culture? <laughs> it's like, yeah. So it's, it, I felt like a lot of things were going against me. So started having suicide ideations and just been like, man, I should just end this all now. So the opportunity came where, hey, I was like, let me buy a pistol, got a pistol. Let me uh let me let me All park right. on that for just a second if I could um yeah. because that's you just said a lot there and that, that a lot of first of all thank you for sharing uh I know that takes a lot of courage to be vulnerable like that and I I talk a lot about the power of vulnerability so um in before we get to you know you buying a pistol and in this this talk uh in the suicidal ideations how did that manifest for you was it like uh you know did you contemplate several different ways was it just kind of something in the back of your mind uh had you uh, like did you google ways to do it? you know what i mean like how far because i think sometimes people have uh suicidal ideations but they're not actually tuning into it right like intuitively uh, they may or may not be taking notice of these bells and whistles these warning signs right so, so it, how, how did that I'll, manifest for you in a thought I'll process say this is how it manifested for me 
it wasn't something I thought about for a long time, but looking back, I could tell there are indicators. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes, speaks to my ethos now. So my ethos now is daily self-evaluation for a better tomorrow. I wasn't evaluating myself on a daily basis. And um, my life was like a roller coaster. I had highs and super lows. Mm. You know, I, I was an even kill. So I'll go stand watch, you know, and say, I'm killing it or get a fit rep. I'm like, oh man, I'm doing really well. But at home, I'm like, man, I'm just lying to myself. You know, then I'll think I'll be depressed again. And I'll start projecting on other relationships. I didn't, I didn't know how to sort out those relationships. And my brother, I remember talking, having this conversation with my brother one time. And I was just crying out for help, man. I just needed someone to tell me, hey, I'm on your side. That's all I wanted to hear mm-hmm. from anyone. Just tell me, hey, no matter how I went down, I am on your side. Like, just, just show me loyalty. But I felt like there was no one that showed me loyal. Nobody was on my side. And I started thinking about, man, I may not be loved the way I, I thought I was loved. Because I, I said earlier, I'm the youngest of five men. Um, my immediate older brother is six years older than me. Hmm. My oldest brother is 12 years older than me. He's actually, turn, he turns 50 tomorrow. Um, so I always felt like I grew up as an only child you know? Um, and so that isolation was always in the back of my head where I felt like a loner. So fast forward now, I started thinking like, yeah, I have some kind of family around me and I'm not the last person to know because I felt like I was always the last person to know information. And that bothered me. Like, Hey, mm-hmm. people don't take me seriously. So they didn't, I'm the last person to know every time because they don't value my opinion. So these are things I was going through. So I'll go to work i'm the devil <laughs> talking to the chief and stuff is going well but i go home i'm like isolated by myself and i don't drink thank goodness i, I was, was just gonna ask did you have <laughs> two two questions i was gonna ask is one did you have any unhealthy coping mechanisms whether it was alcohol or sex you know pornography yeah. like i think a lot of people think just because you know you're depressed that okay it's going to be drugs or alcohol but there's a lot of unhealthy stuff out there that yeah. you know some people have bad relationships with food you know was there any coping mechanism so, that so you used this is my thing right i've always been about getting after it and working out so yeah i always like I, I try to go work out hard but um you you alluded to it like with sex and just relationships with multiple women i used to, i used to get this is the point i used to get on i don't know if people know about this page i probably should say the page but POF, plenty of fish. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was my thing back in the day. Mm-hmm. And um, I just had so much, so many uh, platonic uh, relationships that could have been better. You know, I, I just, I just treated people, treated women like materials versus like trying to get to know them better. But I was just, in hindsight, I mean, having so many issues, you know, and I didn't talk about it like earlier in my life. Like I, I lost my virginity to a prostitute, which is very weird. And I know people probably didn't expect me to go there, but like, and that's a, that's the story I guess I should have told. It's just when I was uh 14, we had this help in the house. That's a, so you hear help in the house, you think we're doing good, right? But <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> not, not not that wealthy. But um, so he was like, oh, it's time for you to be a man. Took me to a, a brothel, and that's how I lost my virginity to a prostitute. Yeah. So, so ever since then, I've just I, I, I've had this issue with connecting with 
women, you know, so maybe that affected my marriage too. I, I don't yeah. know. I'm not, I'm not a therapist. My wife is a therapist. I, I actually haven't told her about this. Now she's going to listen in. <laughs> got me in trouble. Shit. Oh, sorry. I'm not cur- no cursing. I'm sorry. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> No, yeah, I definitely want to get to your wife. But okay, so we talked about uh, coping mechanisms, uh, unhealthy ones, right? Did you ever reach out for help? Um, so yes, I was advised by my mentor back in the day. I thought she was my mentor, but the senior, the more senior I get in the Navy, it's like she was just doing her job. She's like, mm-hmm. hey, go see a counselor. So I went and talked to a counselor briefly. That didn't go anywhere. I thought she was hot. Try to get her number. <laughs> yeah you know um that, yes. i mean i'm sorry i laugh but you know, <laughs> man, I mean, it's life though it's yeah you know I, I i had a conversation with a leader of mine when um someone at uh, a command that i was at uh, attempted suicide and the boss kind of sought my counsel and he said you know was there something i should have done should i told him to go talk to a therapist and my reply was yeah, you can tell somebody to go talk to a therapist, but if they're not ready to talk and share, it's mm-hmm. just going to be 30 minutes of their time wasted, you know, sitting on a couch talking about, you know, random things. You know, you have to have the self-awareness uh, before you can have those conversations, right? Uh, right. You know, but it never hurts uh, to the listener. It never hurts to reach out. But I do think that there are so many avenues for help out there that it doesn't have to be the chaplain, the DAPA, the, you know, it could just be like listening to a podcast or picking up a book or having a conversation with somebody that you respect that, you know, like you said, you trust that's loyal, that will listen and that actually cares and is somewhat of an empath. Um, right. Um, to that point, I talk about it because of my, my last podcast, we talk about a Marine officer, an infantry officer that took his life and he tried to be a special operator. He didn't get through the program, hurt his back, and ended up taking his life. One of my mentees, he, um, well, I don't know if I'll call him a mentee, but we had a relationship, and I was like, I should have done better. Uh, he ended up taking his life as well. So mm-hmm. it's just all this stuff going on, and I see it. I'm like, man, I could have done better. But um, it's like, man, dude, it's, it's tough for me, but it's just. Well, I have to that. To that, I would say, you know, you have to, the book I give out uh, most is, uh, well, I don't necessarily just give out a bunch of books, but I recommend a lot of books. But one book that I actually just give to people, if we're having a conversation, I hand them a hard copy of the book is Four Agreements. And one of the four agreements is do your best, right? So, and part of that is like, you just did the best you could at that time. And you have to accept that that was your best. That was the best you had to offer for help for them uh, at that time, right? Right. and I, I mean, because I, I have the number memorized now. It's like the suicidal national help number, something to the effect of 800-273-8255. And if anybody listening has issues, just call that number, press one, and somebody will be there to help you and listen to you. So it's it's serious stuff. And Or reach out to me, Jeff underscore Bayless underscore at Instagram. Yeah. yeah. You can always, reach out to Jeff, you know, and you listen to this, you want to reach out to me. That's fine. You can reach out to me too. And I'll just share my story and give you pointers, you know, on, cause there's always a, an option. You may think you don't have any options. Cause I, that's why, that's why I, I was. I right. Like so let's, let's get to your, your, uh, your story. Sorry. I, I kind of got us derailed there, but so you went and purchased a handgun. Right. So I purchased a handgun um, and decided, yeah, this is, but initially when I purchased it, I didn't purchase it to hurt myself though. I just purchased mm-hmm. it just 
to have uh, a handgun. Uh, so it's just one of those lows. And I talked about that uh, roller coaster. I hit those lows again, came home, and phone wasn't ringing, you know, nobody checking up on me. It's like, hey, maybe they're better off uh, with me not being here. And I remember having a conversation with my brother, and he's like, I was asking for help, and his response was, everybody has problems, you know. And in that moment, it has to be the hardest thing to tell somebody. For me, it was the hardest thing for me to hear. Like, I get it, but I need your help right now, bro. You know, and his response was, everybody has problems. And again, that goes to my culture, just very straightforward, very direct. Then heard that, said, Roger, got off the phone. I was like, yep, loaded a gun. And went into my living room, pulled the trigger, nothing happened. You know, and I, that was that fast. It was like just something happened that quick, and I just got off. Just hey, I'm about to end this right now. Uh, put it to my head, pull the trigger, nothing happened because my dumb butt did not take it off safe. Well, I guess uh, it's a good thing I was in, I was dumb because yeah, I mean, if if it was like I when did they happen, I looked at the gun, I was like, man wow, do I really want to do this, man? Like, I have daughters, you know, I have so much to give. Why quit on life right now? And those listening was like, hey, sometimes you may think officers don't have problems. <laughs> like, every, listen, man, everybody puts their pants on the same way, you know, so it's just... Just by the mere fact that you're a human being means you're going to have some form of adversity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody has issues. And like I say, sometimes uh, life is 5% of what happens to you, 95% how you respond. So I, I initially did not respond well, you know, and as a result, that made me a better person, though, you know, and I, I always talk about how bad days are blessings. The blessing in that day was I learned, okay, I have issues, you know, I probably need to go back and talk to someone, which I did, then come up with some kind of uh, strategy to um, fight issues of depression, fight, fight circumstances of failure. Hmm. that's key for me because i know in life one thing that i can't avoid is failure failure will come you yeah. know maybe tomorrow maybe next month but if you're ready it's kind of like i look at it kind of like um special ops team where your muscle memory you're training all the time so when you go actually in battle everybody knows what everybody else is saying or doing you don't need to talk anymore so i train myself by creating this box of gifts and i come up with ways i can react to things so I call it die calm because of the chaos going on around you. Just be calm, think through the problems, adapt and overcome. So that's what, that's what I've been doing. And it's worked well. And one of those tools and resources has been your wife, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> you see so, how I got excited by just, just <laughs> Hey, Hey, she saved me, bro. I'm not going to lie to you. Our, our stories are so similar, man. Yeah. I mean, my wife as well as a healer and an empath, and she's definitely a blessing to me. So anyways, uh, how did you guys meet and what, what impact has she had in your life? So um, I'm a member of a fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. One of my line brothers, he invited me over to his house uh, a while back, long, long time ago, like eight years ago now. I showed up there just to hang out because I don't drink. So he was like, oh, if, in case people get drunk, I could fix the situation. Then his friend, because they grew up, I guess, around the same area or whatever, well, whoever he some woman he was dating 
knew my wife at the time. They were friends. So she just happened to show up there as well. So when I went down, it was like a complex in Cleveland, Ohio. I remember it like yesterday. He asked her to go down and open the door for me. All right. So I'm standing out there. Like, why am I even here? I don't like going out. Whatever. She walks up and opens the door. Bro. I saw her. I said, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) She is the one. Like, I I just knew it. And it wasn't like just physical. It was just something about her, the aura around her. Her energy. Yeah. And bro, like, and I've always been a type A and I just feel like I'm Superman. I can talk to anyone confident. Man, I don't think I was able to say my name. Like, hey, 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 how, how are you doing? I'm like, come on, bro. This is not the time. <laughs> Step up. But she was just okay and cool. And we went up to the apartment. We talked all night. It was weird. We were talking about career and just where she's from. And I found out like she had a hard life growing up, lived in different places. So I just knew she had that sheepdog mentality, you know, and just hard. So we just, from that point, we were just friends, right? And we stopped talking for a while. At some point she got engaged to somebody else. And I, I sent her a message like, hey, congratulations or whatever. But then again, this is a strategy. I met her, I should say this part, like I met her when I was going through my divorce. Mm-hmm. Right? So at that point I was like, nah, nah, I'm not. I'm not, not ready to jump back into something serious. Yeah. yeah, no, sir. But eventually reached <clears throat> out to her and her relationship didn't work out. And we just started talking and getting to know each other better. And she just helped me deal with my emotions a lot better, you know, and communicating. And she, she told me something I'll never forget. And interesting enough, one of my recent podcasts, a guest said it too about communication. Communication is about the communicator, not the one uh, receiving the communication to another communicatee. Mm-hmm. So if someone doesn't understand what you're saying, the onus is on you to clearly and concisely ensure that they understand or they're ready to execute what you're saying to them. Mm-hmm. And she has always helped me with that. And because I, I try to, sh- I, I tend to shut down when I have issues that I just don't, I, I want to clear my thoughts, but she's helped me deal with those issues and come out and be, be an even better person. She helped me start my podcast. She was like, Hey, you have so many things going on in your head. Like you should just share it with the world. You never know who will touch. Just be yourself and don't be, scared to fail don't be scared if anyone judges you because people some people won't like it some people will be like hey you're an officer you shouldn't say stuff like that that's dude. a stigma we got to break down i mean there's a lot of stigmas i feel like we should break down but you know one of them is you know definitely this mental health awareness um this mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. feeling that you know type a alpha male that you know we're wearing this mask of masculinity and therefore we can't go talk to someone or share our thoughts and then the other stigma is yeah this fear of rejection or fear of um, judgment right but at the same time though that's the thing with alpha males too that's the thing that guides us sometimes and drives us because we don't want to fail so we push so hard and at the same time we don't want to fail so we don't even start something <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. so it's a dichotomy we have to deal with you know and just manage it as we go but i just come up with this this is this, this, well i didn't come up with it. my wife came up with it and just instilled it in me to just be my best self um, trust my instincts and just go with it. And some people will like you, 
Some people won't. So just those that don't like you, they could join the line of long list of people that don't like you. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Life is too short to dwell, you know, so don't cry over spilled milk. Just focus on how to clean it up. So I've been trying to clean up my spilled milk. What, uh, are there any books or any resources that have inspired you or that you recommend or that kind of changed your life and put you on a different trajectory? Uh, I've read a lot of books. Um, one I'm reading right now is Team of Teams by General McChrystal. Definitely read uh, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Uh, read The Dichotomy of Leadership. I'm big on leadership. Mm-hmm. leadership principles because I, I feel like a lot of leaders lack humility and humility is the key if you're humble you're willing to learn so I'm reading that I just uh purchased uh 42 by Dan Cranshaw I just finished that one too that was good you just finished it I haven't, I haven't, I haven't started yet I just got yeah. it so uh I'm looking to read that so yeah it's a plethora of books um transformed by Remy Adelike he's the ex-navy seal from seal team three same SEAL team that had task unit bruiser with Jocko. Yep. So he, Chris Kyle, he met all of them. He was, well, he was on their team. So I've read his book. It's an impressive book as well. So yeah, I read a lot of books, man. It's pretty, pretty good. So what I will say this, let me recommend one. I would recommend one book right now. Read Extreme Ownership by Jocko, man. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. That book, bro. Now you've read it. I know you've read it. Yeah. I actually just finished his last one too. Um, strategy. Strategy. strategy yeah. Leadership and strategy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got a lot going on, man. He's, he's got some good, I, I really like the follow up with dichotomy because you know, it, that, that actually is a book I recommend almost more than extreme ownership just because everything is nuanced, right? Like everything is uh, mm-hmm. like we, we think so often in the military that everything is objective in nature right? Like everything is, but no, this instruction says this, I've got it right here. Like it says in black and white. Well, guess what? Like there's ORM, there's operational requirements, there's, you know, manning uh, shortfalls, there's equipment issues. Everything is a conversation or, you know, we're trying to get to the yes. You're already at a no, we're trying to get to the yes. So everything is, is really honestly subjective in nature. It really is. It's a conversation. It's a waiver. It's a brief, it's a plan. So that's where the dichotomy is. And that's where like conversations that we're having right now, I would encourage people to have more conversations like this because this is how you get to the yes. This is how you get to the win is having these nuanced subjective conversations with the objective knowledge in your back pocket, right? Like I've read every rate training manual and all the NSTMs and I have all that. Right. You have like your, your degrees and your, your training and all this stuff, right? Right. These are, these conversations are where you get to the win, how you get to the yes. And that is a dichotomy. So, yeah, but the key thing to mention though is you have to continually try to get better. Mm-hmm. Don't, 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 don't focus on what you did before. And like I talked about AQDs and NECs, those things are done. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't go, I don't care what you did. What can you do for me now? Like stay in the moment, man. Like it's, it's so important to stay in the moment. And we're talking about books and we're talking about, different books and what they say, like dichotomy of leadership and all that stuff. Find your own why, find, f- go out there, do the research and find what works for you. You know, it, it's so key. It's so important for people to try to get better each and every day. Cause if you don't, and you say, Oh, I read this book like two months ago, bro. Everything is evolving, man. Mm-hmm. And, and we're like machines. You have to feed the machine so it could constantly evolve don't go, don't go on facebook and see some kind of like clickbait like, oh that's, yeah. that, that, that's what it is and, and 
something that happens now, people share things from like five years ago and the out, outrage culture sees it like, oh my God, look at what this person did. Bro, did you ever open the article? That thing is from like 2010, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think a lot too. Like you're not, there's no maintaining. You're either evolving or de-evolving, right? Yep. There, is, there is no maintaining. So you should be in a, I agree, you should be in a concert effort of, you know, a mindset of growth. Of growth. And, and, and to your point about the military too, <clears throat> remember that we're not a monolith, right? So we all bring our own backgrounds to the military. We have this instructions and it's all based on interpretation sometimes. Mm. You know? So you have to understand that the other person you're speaking to may not interpret it the same way you do. So to yep. your point, you have to have those discussions and find those caveats where it's say, Hey, the exceptions you could. I have this, I have this conversation that. a lot. Uh, and I have this conversation a lot, but probably not as often as I should, where one of the lessons I've really learned that I think, I didn't embrace as a, as a junior officer or as an LDO or even as a young chief was diversity. And I don't mean diversity because I've never been sexist or racist or prejudiced in any way. I mean, diversity of mindset, right? Mindset. So, right. Like, so appreciating someone's uh, interpretation of a way forward. Like I was very one-sided, one-minded as far as like, nope, this is the plan. I said it, this is what we're going to do. Uh, so embracing that diversity of thought process is, yeah. uh, is beneficial for the whole. Um, yes, sir. Yeah, I think my um, my mentor said that I haven't released that episode too. He's been in the military, Navy for thirty four years, fourteen enlisted, twenty as an officer. He's an LDO. Uh, he's a bosun. Who know. is it? Uh, Commander Goff. I don't know if you know. Yeah, I know Goff. <laughs> oh, you know That's yeah. my guy. That's my guy. Yeah, Absolutely, I know. All right, cool. Yeah, I'll have to shoot him a note and tell him we talked. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who definitely listen to this? Then if you shoot him a note, and he'd be like, yep. "Oh, Ugo said that." Oh, oh <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah. Small Navy. Yeah. Cool. Yep. All right, man. I'm gonna. You have any saved saved rounds or alibis? I got one last question I want to ask. But do you have anything for the listener before uh, I, I hit you with this last one? Um. Not nothing necessarily. Just like I, I guess I could just say this: just focus on yourself and making yourself better. And once you're better, you can make others around you better. You know, I just. And when I say that, try to be selfless, man. Each and every day, try to do one thing that's selfless. Intentionally do something selfless, right? And my dad always taught me that you should treat everybody you meet during the day. Like meet, meeting them was the best thing that ever happened to you that day. Mm. So if, if, you, if you do that, you're humble, you're attentive, you're listening to what they have to say. And um, you never know how you can affect that person's life. And that good energy goes towards other people as well. So just, just try Take care of yourself, self-care, and focus on putting a smile on somebody else's face. Yep. Hey, man, our, our conversation today has put a lot of smiles on my face, so I appreciate you. Thank you, bro. Uh, last question. So uh, I have this philosophy. I ask everybody the same question. I, it's, uh, I think one of the lessons that you can probably relate to because we have a similar story, and this is one of the lessons I've learned, is that my story is not all that unique in theme, right? It may be unique in circumstance, but not in theme, and uh, it's somewhat of a hero's journey, but my thought process is that I worried so much about my legacy and my reputation, what people thought about, you know, what Commander Bayless was going to be or, you know, what kind of legacy I was going to leave behind. And therefore, I worried about my reputation. So what builds your reputation and your legacy is your character and your value system, like if I'm working it backwards, right? Mm -hmm. so my, my philosophy or my thought process is that if you only focus on your core values, I'm not talking about the Navy's core values, I mean, like your value system, right? and right. forge that into your character. If you just worry about those things on a daily basis with every decision you make, every conversation you have, just like you just said, if you're worried about 
your character, your reputation and legacy takes care of itself, right? Like those things will happen automatically without any, you, you can't do anything about that, right? It just, it, the universe makes that happen. So my question is, if I were to write in this book right here where I'm taking notes on our, on our episode here, right? And I just write in here, Ugo character, colon, what would you hope I wrote in this book to describe your character and what are you doing on a daily basis to ensure that that shines through? Me, that's a good question. <laughs> well, wow. So that, that requires me to be kind of introspective here. Um, it, it makes me very uncomfortable, but I, <laughs> I'll be very honest. It makes me really uncomfortable, but I try to talk about other people. But uh, one thing I, I would say, I, I, I hope you write is that uh, he tried, you know, like he tried his very best each and every day. So if it's just one word, he was brave, you know, just brave. Left Nigeria by himself, came to another country when he was 18. Went to Burger King, couldn't even order, looking up on the signs. I was pointing at the signs. They're looking at me like, which one do you want? I said, number one. They could barely understand what I was saying. Went to college myself. Um, had a chance to go down a wrong path with some individuals that were very, very um, wayward. I'll say it like that, but... I chose a different path. So I was brave there. And I make decisions people told me not to and panned out to be right. So I just follow my instincts and I try to be brave because everybody's scared, man. Like people say, you know how people come out and say, I'm an alpha. I'm not, I don't, I'm not feared. I'm not scared of anything. Nah, bro. You're scared. But the only thing that differentiates you from the other person is yeah, everyone has a parachute, but some decide to jump out of the plane, some don't. You know, because, you know, I say it like that because with decisions, right? If you jump off of, out of a plane without a parachute, you can't go in back in that plane. You're not going back in that plane, bro. Yeah. You got to focus, focus on how you're going to land. So even with a parachute, bro, focus on your landing because you're not going back in that plane. So just don't dwell on your past mistakes. Try to be brave and take action. Action is key. Don't be scared. Don't be scared of what other people have to say. Don't be scared of your LPO. Don't be scared of your DLCPO. Don't be scared of your DIVO, your department head. You know what's right. You know, make that decision. Just take action and go from there. So I try to be brave. I like what's, it, brother. What was the second part of your question? I don't know. <laughs> you answered it. That was it. Oh yeah. You described your character. It's awesome. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I appreciate what you're doing with your project. Thank you for coming on. Uh, yes, sir. And, and I look forward to uh, collaborating more going forward. Jay! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bro. All right, bro. Take care now. And there you have my very meaningful and powerful conversation with Ugo. Like I said, I got, I got a lot out of that conversation. We talked about just about everything. And I would encourage you to share that with someone you know that may be struggling or is having a hard time. Uh, you'd be doing me a personal favor if you would like it, share it, give us a review, uh, all those things. Uh, again, I, I don't need money, I'm not asking for any of that. Uh, however, I do believe in the purpose of what I'm doing here, and I believe in every one of these stories. They're all my babies, and sharing them with others in an effort of service is really what this project's all about. And so a rising tide lifts all boats, and you can be a part of that and just help me by sharing that with somebody you think needs to hear it.
All right, I love you guys, and we'll talk soon on the evolution.